Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to another instalment of No Small Questions, where you, the listener, get to pose your burning questions directly to the No Small Roles cast. I'm superfan Sam Oaks, also known as the Question Master, and joining me tonight, we have a pair of total legends. You may know him as Light... Uh, no, uh... Hina? No, uh... I mean, Cal? No, Gil- Gilgamesh? <laughs> Alcibiades! Enkidu! Oh, of course it's Enkidu. You know, most of the time. It is, of course, the amazing <laughs> Daryl Bailey. <laughs> what an introduction. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> and our second guest tonight is, uh, he's a man of few words, uh, but hopefully we can get him to open up a bit tonight. We love this tinker and his interchangeable dragon heads. It's Orin the Artificer, aka Ben Galpin. Hello! Uh, very warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. I feel warmed. (laughs) That's the power of my warming voice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Joining us tonight, we do have some of our Patreon subscribers waiting in the wings to have their questions answered. Uh, And there are some really good ones on this list. So we'll look forward to hearing that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Now, before we get this uh, Q&A started, I should mention that we will be discussing events right up until episode 28. So if you haven't caught up yet, and you want to avoid spoilers, now is your chance to go listen to those beauties. 28. Yeah, what happened then? Is that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think that's... Yeah. Is that Dwayne? <laughs> yeah. Get out, yeah. you're rocking the boat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Yeah, of course, because you guys yeah. are so much further ahead. Uh, but no spoilers from you guys then, but for everybody else, yeah, you, you've gone, you've listened to episode 28, and you're back. Oh, great. Nice to see you again. Okay, let's crack on with some questions. Let's start off with a question for both of you. Uh, and this is from at Amandoop, uh, who asks... Hey, Amandoop. Yo. Such a good name. Do you have any tips for people who have absolutely no acting ability to help make their character sound at least a bit different to their player voice? That's a really good question, actually. So, yeah, have you got mm. any tips for people that trying to find that character without necessarily coming from it the way that we would, which is with the actor's head given circumstances, that kind of thing? Um, this actually came up. So the other day we did a interview with another podcast, uh, which I shall plug here briefly called Thinking Critically with mm. the lovely Dan Liu. And uh, this actually came up in uh, that discussion as well, because every week on that podcast, uh, there's a one word topic. And the one word topic that's 
he chose for the five of us who were able to go on was acting, which makes sense. So there's a, there's a few <laughs> tips sort of floating around in my head and I can't remember which ones I came up with or which ones other people came up with. <laughs> so I apologise to the cast for stealing your ideas and passing them off as my own. But I remember there was a bit of a discussion about uh, sort of voice stuff and if that's something that people are comfortable doing, that that can be a fun way of... Um, helping you get into a bit of a character. So, uh, but the thing with that was that we, was, we were chatting about the fact that that lots of people aren't going to feel comfortable coming in and being like, I'm going to do a completely different accent or whatever. So we were discussing little sort of things that you can do just to slightly change vocal mannerisms maybe, or like, is there mm. something that they always say? Is there a word that they always say? Do they refer to everyone in the third person or do they only use second <laughs> names or first names or find little vocal ticks and little ways of, of uh, changing up your speech pattern a little bit and also playing with pace and playing with vocabulary those sort of things can be useful little ways of getting into a character Daryl I remember you had some other very good thoughts um, in that <laughs> podcast as well uh, <laughs> sure I think I said something about um think about the person you'd ideally like to be and then like try to like embody that as you go um but I was gonna say something again this is like relative to everyone you don't have to be an actor to take this on but a teacher um my my favorite actor teacher said i'll work from you work from you and every time you're asked to make a decision in D and um, the dm well in my experience would say what do you do now oh you're in this situation what do you do and your usual your first response is going to be oh i'm going to do this or i'm going to check this thing out or i'm going to throw this thing here even though your character and you aren't necessarily the same it's a work of fiction you yourself are making the decisions and you might have based your character of something you've seen or something you've read and everyone can do an impression you know like everyone wants to pretend to be i know aragorn in lord of the rings or this character from that thing and everyone can put on a little voice and is you know just let yourself go a bit and work from you and i think it's there no one's going to judge you on your acting ability as long as you're having fun go for it yeah. i think i think this is a big thing isn't it because it's it's a game and the whole point of a game is that you're you're meant to play. It doesn't matter whether you're doing a voice or something like that. Because I don't know if this is true with a, with everyone, but certainly when I make a character, there's normally one like little detail that links it to me a little mm. bit. So it's that part that I get access through, or I think, okay, well, what's their agenda in this situation? I can now explore around that, but I know what this character wants in the end of it uh so it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to come down to a voice it can be just you know how does that what you the situation that you've been put into connect with that small part of yourself that is this character and then flush it out have fun you know the whole point is that you're around a table with your friends so if you are there and you feel like oh actually i don't like that voice nobody's going to judge you for that yeah feel just change it play yeah, and make it, mistakes yeah, yeah. let's come back yeah, at the next yeah. session and be like i'm doing something different now cool yeah i'm russian now it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. keep changing it every week until yeah. you're like actually this works i like this yeah it's not canon no. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not canon nothing nothing's ever set in stone yeah i mean I, I, that happened in the home game that, that daryl's been dming a couple of times for us and we came back for a second game and i had no recollection about how i'd played my character before <laughs> to be totally honest <laughs> it was eight months before i had the character sheet so i was like oh this is what they are i know the name and i sort of remember what happened in the game but what they yeah. were like i was like that's gone. So they're just oh, going to yeah. come back and they're going to yeah. be, they're going to be 
what I want them to be this time. So they turned exactly, into a yeah. sort of jolly northern kind of upbeat, uh, much more, yeah, I don't know, just I think probably quite different than they were last yeah. time. But there we go. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. And that is actually a really good example of where accents can be a hindrance. Because uh, I, I was playing the same game, playing this character, Vil Hayek, who was supposed to be like, supposed to sound like Serbian or something like that. Oh, and yeah. it ended up Russian. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it's just like a change that happened within the game. But for me, it was just kind of like, it didn't really matter where it sat, it, so long as you feel like you are playing that character. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the main thing. Dive into it. Explore yeah. Uh, somebody's actually put in the chat here about the way that Orin comes into <laughs> any part of the conversation, you know, to help him find his character is, oh, um, oh, I, I um, I, I, I talk like this. Uh, oh, and that is so true. It is very yeah, yeah, much yeah. a way you, you give yourself like 30 seconds to come yeah. up with the thing you're about to say. That's very true. <laughs> Technically, I give myself about 45 seconds and we cut about 15 seconds of the arms <laughs> out. <laughs> I want to see this cut room floor. <laughs> it's, it is an interesting one, actually. Like that's completely changing the topic now. But if I can, off the back of that, it is an interesting one because with most people, when I'm editing, because as some people might know, I'm one of the editors that works on the episodes. Um, m- most of the cast are now one of the editors who works on some of the episodes. But it is that decision about how much umming and erring and all of that that you leave in. And I'm more inclined to cut it for other characters than I am for Orin. I allow Orin to have some more ums and errs and uncertainties than the other characters because, as we said in the chat, it is it has become part of his character. <laughs> I mean, otherwise he, he probably wouldn't say that much. No. To be honest, because he's quite True. a closed book. If he doesn't have yeah. those oh, ums, Orin gets no screen time. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> audio time. I don't know how that works. Yeah. No, no, you mean episode 28, Orin didn't say anything until like yeah. well over halfway. We have a horse. <laughs> it was quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just he came so in on the important good. point. <laughs> we must discuss the animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Well, um, Amandoop, I, I hope that answered your question. Thank you so much for supplying it. Moving on, we have a question from a Patreon member. Uh, so Pippa is in the Zoom with us. Uh, Pippa, would you like to ask your question? I would love to ask my question. My question is for Ben. So how, how is Orin coping with what he witnessed when he used the divination table? Because um, especially given that I think as far as we know, he hasn't really told the rest of the group exactly how badly everything went wrong. And as a little side question to that, does he still have the cockatrice egg? Oh, great question. Uh, ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great questions, Pippa. So how is he coping? Hmm. I'm going to sound like... I'm going to sound like Orin because I need to think about the answer. Mm. <laughs> I think he's, he's, I think it's a bit more now behind him than it was, uh, obviously at the time. Like at the time, I think he was not doing good with it, um, immediately afterwards, um, and was clearly in a pretty major state of shock about the whole events and, Sing, Juna and Guy. Yep. And then um, the fallout of that and then suddenly coming back. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I don't think, to be fair, I don't think he's really had time to process it all. I think, you know, they've moved straight on to, to all the other issues that were going on with the Vondel family and uh, the witch in the woods and everything else that's happened since. And he's probably not entirely had the time to process it. So... 
I feel like it might come back and hit him like a ton of bricks at some point down the line. If anything happens to Juno or Guy again, <laughs> I don't think that's going to go well. And I think he's sort of squashed it down. Pretty haunted. I think I talked about this last time I was on No Small Questions, especially about Juno, because I think it came up last time, the discussion about who someone would save if they could save save one person. And Orin, it's like, it's Juno. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone else, but it's Juno. And so um, I think that made it even more traumatic for him because of that relationship. Is there a part of it that you're able to be like, well, it didn't happen, so I can kind of put it to one side while we deal with all the other things. It's it's an event that kind of did happen for you, yeah. but it didn't last. So it's, is there a part of Orin that can let that slide or is it still still burning in the back of his brain, something that he's going to need to address later? I think it is going to still be there because I think, I feel like he lived through it. For him, he lived through it and remembered it. Like everyone else lived through it and then doesn't have no recollection of that ever happening. But the fact that he came back with the full memory of exactly what went down and then had to sort of throw himself into the immediacy of dealing with okay I've there's some decisions that we need to change there's things that need to happen and having to persuade the rest of the group to follow a course of action and dissuade them from doing other things but yeah he lived through it and David can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think it sort of faded away like a ghost it's it's still there it's still a lived lived experience for him because um I mean I we haven't heard it on the podcast but Orin still hasn't actually spoken about this with the group has he no so he's completely bottled it up himself yeah. he had his I, I understood why he didn't say anything at the time but it, it did kind of surprise me that at no point Orin's just gone oh by the way you died uh moving on yeah yeah I think that would be a really tricky thing for him to broach I mean maybe it'll come out at some point <laughs> mm. uh come out with the egg Perhaps? <laughs> With uh, the egg. Oh, yes, <laughs> talking of the egg. Um, <laughs> so, Karen, yes, has messaged in the chat saying <laughs> 50 episodes later, something's moving in his bag. Um, however, we were told that, I think, uh, was it Ruana said that it's it needs to be kept cold and it's not been kept cold. So, yeah. I think that egg has cooked as it were uh i think Ugh. he's now just holding on to a stone egg oh. he's still got it yes he's still got it to answer your question though uh, pippa i think orin is probably a little bit of a hoarder in that he likes to hang on to stuff because it might come in useful later uh he doesn't like throwing stuff away i think that's probably a lot to do with his upbringing on the woe nars and also his tinkering that he's like this could be useful so he's not going to get rid of it unless he absolutely has to <laughs> <laughs> You can have multiple bags of holdings of just all this yeah. junk that you've picked up along the way. Yep. I mean, is it useful for Orin or is it more useful for your sneaky, sneaky DM? This is the thing. You'll be like, okay, it's in my inventory. And then, oh, there's a mission that we have to go to this Arctic tundra uh, for a week. And like Orin <laughs> deals with himself. He puts all his like little furs on and stuff, gets his <laughs> leg brace banded up so his, you know, his war wound doesn't get cold. And then this egg will just hatch in the night and murk them all. It could well happen. I think Aaron has checked it at least once or twice on Mike since then. I think he has referenced looking at it. Mm. But I don't think he has recently. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably been a good, ooh, I don't know, five or six episodes since he's mentioned anything about it. So it's just in his bag. See, I thought David would have forgotten about it until we just mentioned it. (laughs) How does he get a thing? I think he's got an eidetic memory or something. Nah. 
He's not going to forget something like that. He's yeah. always planning. <laughs> uh, cheers for answering that. And thank you so much, Pippa, for your question. Thank you, guys. Okay. Uh, next up, we have a really good question from... Oh, it's from me. Um, okay, so this this question is for Daryl. Uh, <laughs> the surprise. I know, acting. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. This comes from so, Daryl. Below Oaks. Yeah, uh, Oaks. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, Daryl, in episode 19, we had a terrifying example of what can happen if Enkidu loses control to a patron. Uh, However, it did make me wonder if there is potential for Enkidu to allow his friends to possess his body with their own abilities. Or is this strictly limited to a natural one? Uh -uh, Alcibiades taking over, slashing at Juna. The concept of a randomized mid-fight multi-classing could be a (laughs) game-breaker. So uh, basically, my question is, is this something that you explored beforehand? Like, was that experience with the natural one and, you know, the the, the puppeting moment? Was that something that you knew might happen? Or is this kind of like opening doors for Enkidu to be like, okay, what if you're able to work with your patrons and access something new the natural one thing is something i suspected might happen i didn't know for sure david hinted at it from the beginning that oh yeah we can do this do that and roll for this to see which one of your buddies you talk to well, um if you're all low enough well ugh. <laughs> and i thought cool that's exciting and then it happened <laughs> and my heart dropped out of my mouth i'm like please don't make me roll to kill juna <laughs> blessedly david controlled that so thank god for that but with the other aspects of the um oh give him a present when he gets a natural 20 vicky's mentioned in the chat Ooh, if you remember in episode eight that very thing happened with light yes with light, yeah remember. yeah yeah we were desperate to save who we could save after juna and guys died and rolled an actual 20 in the inside check and light manifested somehow and was able to heal um gwendolyn so there are features like that but i am um, when it comes to like rolling those charisma inside checks <laughs> i don't know personally what is possible with those i've never thought to think hmm in the middle of battle i'm gonna just roll to see what random effect could happen but um we have worked on a kind of like a homebrew uh, feature for enkidu to kind of have an aspect of one of his buddies but i just haven't figured out a way to make it fit in my current like character loadout as of yet but that option is available to him that is exciting um <laughs> i really like the sound of this because it, the way that you've described these patrons is that I can, I kind of feel like I can see which classes they would have been. Like, you know, Light being a cleric of some kind, Hina I'm seeing as more of like a rogue. You've also got King's Blood in you, which is very interesting. To uh, see allegedly, that, you know. King's Blood. Allegedly. I mean, allegedly, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> allegedly yeah i'm 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 really excited to see where it goes so you've, you've started exploring the possibilities then of these multiple patrons in your head because i have noticed that since that event enkidu has been a bit more cautious about speaking to his patrons just yeah. in case that same thing happens again i think that's daryl being cautious <laughs> because every other time after I rolled those um, charisma checks. They were so low. <laughs> they were all in this single digits. And like, I thought, oh, well, fucked it again. Is it just a natural one? Or, or you might want to say... I, or- I think it's a natural one. But if I roll... I think if a natural... I'm thinking a natural one, Alcibiades takes over. And he yeah. does whatever. But if it's like 
close to that. I think there's a range. I th- I'd say, for example, between one to five, I can speak to him right. or access him. But he won't He won't take over your body? He won't take over Got unless you. it's like a natural one. That is a really cool mechanic just to kind of... I mean, I love the Hexblade Warlock anyway. It's such an awesome uh, subclass to play. Yeah. But to have this extra little mechanic of the randomized weapon, randomized charisma checks, it's got so much potential. Yeah. Amazing. Cheers for answering that one. Uh, it's a really good question. Thank you, me. Uh, so <laughs> let's move on to um, <laughs> <laughs> question uh, from someone else for you both. Uh, this is actually from Karen, uh, who has asked, has anything about your character uh, or their backstory changed since starting the podcast? Uh, or has everything remained set in stone since you created them? Uh, we've just spoken to Daryl. So, Ben, do you want to start off with this one? That is a really good question, Karen. um i don't think anything major has changed in backstory for me i feel like stuff just sort of gets a little bit more sort of fleshed out than than what you originally what i originally wrote down on sort of the pdf that i sent to david nine months ago or whenever that was but i don't think there's been any major alterations where i'm like cross all of that out oh he's not from the woden isles at all (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be from splinterfalls I don't think anything's massively altered. Uh, Yeah, I think just a little more fleshed out. I think in terms of how the character plays, I think that probably has changed. But then I think think that's just sort of finding how the character plays in the moment as you go along. Um, And I think you sort of come in with slight expectations of how they might work out. And then as soon as you actually start interacting with the other characters, you're like, okay, actually, they're not quite what I thought they were going to be. This different elements of them come more to the fore and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. That's vague and not useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because maybe maybe it has actually changed since when you originally put it on paper, but it's been an organic change that's happened throughout the podcast with Orin mm. being in relation to other people. Yeah. Because he is, although he's closed off, he's a lot more open than he was to begin with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Orin as a character has definitely developed as he's gone along, undoubtedly, from being with this, from being with the group. Um, and as you say, Sam, he's, he's starting to open up more and starting to sort of be a bit more trusting. Back in the sort of Tillage mark, he was quite keen to just leave <laughs> several points. Yeah. <laughs> just go. Mm-hmm. And that was always that was always going to be an interesting thing because I think that is kind of as I worked on him and wrote him and based on discussions with David, like I think him leaving is, is something that he does sometimes. <laughs> so, oh. um, <laughs> oh, did he leave his farming job on the Woden Isles, <laughs> which I think is sinister? I don't think it's farming. I think it's like slavery. But anyway, oh, carry no. on. <laughs> oh my <Whoa>. gosh. <laughs> It's the Woden Isles. We know what they're like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is an interesting little, like, character development thing, though, in terms of, like, developing where he's from and all of that, because this might be breaking news, uh, that I recently ran a one-shot for the cast and for Sam set on the Woden Isles. (laughs) So that was an opportunity to actually discuss the Woden Isles in a lot more depth with David as well and start fleshing out that world. So I think, you know, that might lead to some slight alterations down the line. Mm. Brilliant. Um, Okay, and actually, before we ask Daryl the same question, uh, David has put in the chat to confirm for us from the dm uh daryl's document was about 20 <laughs> pages long ben's had pictures though yep mine had pictures <laughs> I'll, I'll count wait they're in front of you <laughs> yeah he always has his typed up notes this is ben we're talking about oh my god I think it's um, nine nine pages oh nice front and back no 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 nine nine altogether. <laughs> 
four and a half. But lots of pictures. Oh, wow. Wow. My gosh. Oh, I wish this was on YouTube. Anyway, no, I don't, because yeah. I look awful. So, Daryl, <laughs> uh, <laughs> same, same question for you then. From mm. your 20 pages, were you able to get off book at all and start ad-libbing? Uh, yeah. Or have you pretty rigidly stuck to backstory, character choices that you made early on? Or has it just continued to flow throughout the podcast? At the latter. It's kind of come out through the podcast. I mean, like, from the backstory that's written, I mean, that's for my acting process that kind of like informs me of what he's been through rather than it's this is what this person is like do you know what i mean because i could probably write that in (laughs) three sentences if you can believe me david (laughs) 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 but um it's it's kind of like i the kind of player i am i just kind of don't want to pre-plan things too much and just let let events dictate who he is and how he handles things like the whole edgy persona was not something i planned (laughs) at all but it wasn't until (laughs) i think i think grace nailed it absolutely nailed it in um uh, no small questions last episode <laughs> when he first lays eyes in Gwendon in and sees how she presents herself he's like uh, no <laughs> don't want this no and then that then all of that came about so it's kind of I kind of like I like I prefer um events to kind of like dictate like how he presents himself and who he is I think like you you, you find out so you I mean it's probably obvious to say but you find out so much about them when they're in a situation and then how they react to that. But then also I find myself often, I don't know if the rest of you do this, but like afterwards being like, I feel like I missed a, I missed a, a thing that I totally missed that. Like there was an opportunity to, to use a moment and kind of leap off and react to it or, or take it in a certain way. All the time. And then, yeah. So then I sit my, kick myself after an episode. I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that? So then going into like a future episode, then I'm like, remember this, remember that moment that, that flew past that you didn't latch onto? Like, okay, take that, use that, like think about how you can kind of work that in or work that in. Yeah. 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 And that moment's gone, but like that side of the character where you're like, oh, that's a really juicy little thing to, to explore and I didn't do it. Because <laughs> like, early on, because there, there is the, this thing about a party dynamic as well. You can come up with, and it's interesting that you mentioned the one shot that you ran, Ben, uh, because the character that I created on paper was very different to the one that I kind of put out in the podcast because I was imagining him to be quite quiet and not really there. And then when it came to it, he was well like me and never shut up um (laughs) but i I don't know whether there is that kind of like okay well my character is the most like this and therefore i'm going to assume this role like daryl was saying before about the differences between uh i was going to say gwen kidu there but gwen and (laughs) kidu uh is no it's a thing gwen kidu (laughs) (laughs) hashtag gwen kidu um was it that that you kind of you saw the other characters and you were like somebody needs to react to this it would be enkidu or was it just everything that you had about enkidu that you'd written down was so offended by this naive uh, <laughs> damsel uh in front of you kind of both yeah it's it's yeah yeah both <laughs> <laughs> it's both it's it's both <laughs> there aren't any well there aren't any gwendolyns in his life up until that point and um you know he maybe he saw them from afar and didn't have anything to do with them but she's there all the time <laughs> and it's it just rub, it just rubs him the wrong way although i think it's starting to rub him the right way oh yeah. dear <laughs> sound <laughs> like Myra. So much for that uh, karen that was wonderful um okay we have another question from the zoom uh this question is from 
Hannah C, Hannah Clancy, uh, if you would like to read your question for Ben. Hi, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to know more about the goose. That's all I want to know. I want to know the inspiration behind the goose. I want to know why a goose. I honestly am so enthralled by your goose-like companion and I want to know everything. That's my question. (laughs) What's with the goose? That is a really good question about the goose. So I really wanted to homunculus for a long time, which is what it is. Uh, I wasn't able to get one originally because of two reasons. Uh, Number one, before Tashes came out, you had to be level eight, I think, as an artificer before you could get an homunculus, which was sad. Uh, And you also need a pearl worth or a jewel or something worth at least 100 gold pieces. And Oren didn't have any money. Um, (laughs) So uh, when the... Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out and it changed that artificers could get homunculus, homunculi straight away. I was like, I am getting a homunculus the moment I can. The goose. It came about. <laughs> so I found the original conversation I had with David about it, where I said, thinking of my, of my homunculus, of creating a sort of teapot, or was it a travel kettle I nicked from Juno? Question mark. Meet snow goose hybrid. Goose emoji. Maybe with little wings. The neck of a pot. Kettle sort of the goose neck. Maybe with a little pot warmer flame function at the bottom, which could maybe multitask to help it hover and also warm tea, question mark. When it needs to be stealthy, the wings could fold in so it looks like a well-decorated teapot slash kettle again. Thinking of names, possibly Aggie. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that was what I sent David um, some little time ago. And there was another name that I came up with it as well, which I think I ran past the group during the show. It came about because I was thinking, I want a homunculus. I want it related to what our groups sort of become. Tea has become very, very important to our group. Going back to the connection with Juna earlier as well, tea, I feel like, is a is such a sort of Junaism. And so it's a sort of a link that Orin could make between himself and Juna as well, I think, to the extent of literally nicking her teapot to turn into a homunculus. And it was a goose. She's a snow goose, specifically, because uh, I was just trying to think of Woden Isles animals, basically. <clears throat> what sort of animals he might have known growing up. And I think in my head, backstory that may or may not be canon, who knows, that he maybe befriended <laughs> some sort of real goose at some point. Possibly, I sort of had an idea that maybe he sort of befriended a goose when he was travelling on the boat down to the Woden Isles, that there was some sort of goose that he was oh, friends with. And so he's kind of going back to, to what he knows. So, goose. Yeah. Can I also say, the, the, the kind of shorthand that you gave us just now, I could hear that being read by Orin, like a conversation to himself. <laughs> it's like, oh, I could do this. And maybe there'll be that. And um, uh, fly and hover. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is where we begin to realise that Orin is probably not too far from Ben on many occasions. <laughs> well, it feeds into the first question that we have, which is, you know, make it relatable yeah. to yourself in yeah. some yeah. way and then access that. But no, I, I, it, it blew my mind when the, the goose teapot came out and then uh, Ruana going and changing into goose form so as well. So you had a little yeah, goose family. Uh, an hour later, of course, remember Vicky. Amazing. Thank you so much for that question, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was just like, I've got to ask about the goose. It's got to be done. And I've done it. So I'm happy now. <laughs> That's all I wanted. Thanks, Hannah. And I was, so, I was so determined to get that goose into that episode as soon as I'd built it. I was like, the goose is coming out in that episode. So I was like, the goose is attacking the giant <laughs> elemental. This is stupid. <laughs> like, this is a ridiculous oh tactical decision. But I want the goose to, to make an appearance with its little forks transmitting electricity (laughs) and i'm so glad you did 
next up, we've got a question from another Super Hannah. Hey, guys. Uh, both of your characters have revealed some serious chunks of backstory lately. How are Orin and Enkidu feeling about that in relation to the group? And how do they tend to deal with being vulnerable? Uh, Daryl <laughs> is pulling a really cutesy pose right now. Uh, do you want to go first on this one? Daryl's doing his anime pose. Uh, I feel exposed. <laughs> um, being vulnerable. Um, I think he is kind of... Only, only a small part of him is uh, has thought, maybe I should tell others about myself. It looks like I am sticking with this group. We We are facing things together. But I think the, the the core of it is from this battle he's had of, do I open myself up to these people? Can I do that? Am I capable of doing that again? Because I, I was in with a group of people I was very tight with. We were family for so long, been through so much. And then this tragedy happened. And, you know, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's heartbroken still. He's not over it. You know what I mean? He's, 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 his friends aren't dead as far as he can tell but they're not with him in the way that they were before. And he has been alone for so long. And then there's this new group who he's not entirely sure of. And he's like, I, am I replacing one friendship group with another? Like, what, what is my role here? Like, how do I feel about them? Can I feel those same things I felt for them with them? But then I think it was when he almost hurt Juna. It was then like, now I'm, I myself am a danger to these people as well. And I can't, you know, have another person who he who he likes very much to be hurt because of an inaction or an action. So the backstory comes out like it's something where he thought I was keeping them safe by not telling them about it. But no, they have to know because they're traveling with essentially a, a walking time bomb. But being vulnerable is 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 highly uncomfortable. It's highly uncomfortable because. It just is. It just, it just is um, exposing. Um, he thought he felt stronger or um, more sure of himself when people didn't know about what made him tick. Like he could put on this exterior of "I'm the tough soldier dude with the trouble past," and no one questions me because I have my strength, and that that's that's me, and that they can accept that. But really, it's actually become a detriment. And for him to progress any relationship with anyone in the group, he has to open up a bit or else the dynamic would just not work and it has kind of it has brought him closer to the characters the other characters as well like um gwendolyn has given him much less of a hard time since learning that bit of the backstory and if anything it's given enkidu a chance to be closer to her as well so is there a sense of like enkidu learning that you know maybe being vulnerable does have its benefits like you know they have kind of become his new his new team <laughs> yeah and it's a truth he's known for a long time that that aspect um vicky's pointed out in the chat um a moment where which Enkidu had with crowl he kind of sees that um i think he was a bit of disgust as well because crowl crowl can don't know how this happens he kind of kind of see inside Enkidu goes oh that that guy inside you i like him whereas Enkidu hates that person and he thought if i give in to that side of my being would i end up like crowl twisted and bitter and alone someone who chose to like shy away from other people and then ended up this like horrible twisted figure and maybe Enkidu like feared for his 
his future for a bit if he continued to push people away and thought well no the answer is you need to surround yourself with people because that's how that's how people function that's how that's how it works you know i think the difference between Kral and Enkidu is that he Enkidu knows very much what it is to love other people and have that positivity you know get you out of bed every day whilst Kral has rejected that and he's become what he became something to be used as a gambling anti-up apparently his little bony fingers. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Oh my god. Uh, way to derail that one. Um, <laughs> but, um, thank you so much for that, Daryl. That was um, that was really nice. Uh, ben, how about for Orin? I think, oh, yeah, Orin has been opening up definitely a bit more and sort of sharing stuff with the rest of the group. I don't think he's hugely sharing of his own accord necessarily, unless pushed a bit to do it i don't think he's just gonna wake up one morning and be like hey guys let me tell you all about me (laughs) that's just not what he's about but he is he is sharing and opening up a bit more i think ah, it's hard for orin it's really tricky for him i think and i think he's feeling much more settled in this group but I think in his heart of hearts, like, he's not great at settling and feeling secure and feeling solidly in a place at all, ever. Um, And he's, I think he's constantly kind of clock watching, if clocks are a thing in El Tempe, about when it's going to end and Mm. when he's going to have to move on to something new and different. And so uh, I don't know if he knows if this is going to be different to that. Yeah. Please don't go. We love you. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Why would you leave? Like what would take you away? Um sorry, Hannah's uh Hannah's just put in the chat like don't take the goose away, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll leave the goose. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I think what would take him away is a desire to leave before he is made to leave or or something finishes or he's kicked out or something in some way that he would try and walk away before that happened Mm. oh interesting don't give him that opportunity you hear me no small rollers do not give him (laughs) the opportunity to run away we love orin and he is staying um oh that was a that was a really good question you can tell it's from a therapist as well um Thank you so much, Hannah. Okay, on to a question, another question for both of you. This is from at Stewtown2583, who asks, I'd like to know what decisions you've made so far in the campaign that you, A, regret, and B, you're proud of. Uh, Also, is there a decision a colleague has made that you'd rather they hadn't, like, punching an old woman in the face? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Gosh. Can never live that down. You never will. <laughs> never live that Except down. Except it didn't See, happen. See, if you let the other guy take it over, he probably would have done it well. Oh, no. I I, I listen to Superfan chats when they say, oh, you just blame it on the other guy. I'm like, that's cheap. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get away with that. That was a smooth brain decision, and I did it. I own it. <laughs> it's just so good. I will never forget Ridiculous. that moment. But, uh, but yes, anyway, for both of you, uh, have you got things that you regret or that you're proud of um, or that other people have done that you really wish they hadn't Mm, good question Stuart I think there's there's definitely regret about how some of the Vondel stuff went down I think uh that fight that got a bit out of hand oh yeah Oren killed several people with a dragon I think 
I think he killed Lady yeah, Bondell he... and yep. he killed someone else with Gosh, the dragon, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, so I think he is definitely not best pleased with the kind of the decisions that went on into that particular fight. I think leading, I can't remember if we said this before, leading Kral to Ruana, that is a big regret. Yeah. That is a big regret. Oh, no. That was... I would say in defense of your first one, at least you didn't do as Lady Vondell wanted, which was to kill all your friends. Uh, when she cast that suggestion. probably would have been worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't Orin, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Blame the other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, in terms of things that he's proud of. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so both regrets and things you're proud of. So there's some optimism in here. Okay, I know what. Getting that door. I am oh, so, yes. so chuffed yes. that we got the yes. door. Yes, yes. Yeah. Great. I listened back to that episode fairly recently and I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> the door. <laughs> it's just this moment of everything just, oh, the dice rolls came together after being disastrous for the whole game. And then just this mm. this one thing that was like, one thing right, please. <laughs> mm. Speaking of, just out of interest, with the door moment, yeah. did you did you have that planned beforehand, or was it just we're leaving? Oh, I've got shrinking stuff, so I can use Not it. Planned at all? No. Wow. No. I wonder if David had planned it, or whether David's like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> they now have a super powerful item. We were going in to get that brewery stuff, and then we had the solution, and then I think we were leaving through the door, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. We've got. I'm holding shrinking solution, and there's a magical door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm not sure I quite clocked is whether it was sensible or possible, really, for that run from the storeroom to an exit <laughs> with the door in my pocket without just going through the magic door. I could have yeah. gone very badly wrong. I don't know how well I'm going to plan that one out. Um, mm. I mean, you had your, your your leg brace, didn't you? With the um, oh, with expeditious, ex- retreat. expeditious whether retreat. Whether I had expeditious yeah. retreat prep that day, I can't tell you. I can't remember. Th- that's very true. Mm. And you were in a fight. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I was probably no. I was out of spells. I think I'd said earlier I had no spells left um, because I'd used my final healing word when Kral did his table thing, and I thought I was about to die, and I used my final sorry final cure wounds on myself, and I was nowhere near dying. And then that was it. I had no more, no more healing because then <laughs> Gwen was truly. really badly injured at the end of that fight. And I was like, have a cake. <laughs> I can't, I can't like, do anything <laughs> about this. <laughs> oh, wow. That was so much closer than I actually realized. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I had nothing left. There was nothing left in the tank. Worth it though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see you use that I bad know. boy. I've been thinking so much since then about when to use the door. And there's been a few moments where I'm like, ooh. Should we use the door? Like, when we were given the task by um, Arcadis Dudat. Um, <laughs> what's he called? Heron Ilwin. Heron Ilwin. Thank you, Heron Scholar. Ilwin, yeah, yeah. Scholar Heron Ilwin. So when the Scholar gave us that task, I was like, maybe I should set up the door in his house and then we can just come back in between each task. You could write him a little message just to be like, hi, we're coming just in. Hello. In I could post him the door. <laughs> like, I could keep it shrunk. <laughs> Send it by whatever the UPS equivalent on Eldritch, on Eldritch, on El Timper is. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that won't be a moment you'll regret. <laughs> and speaking of, Daryl, have you got moments that you regret or that you're proud of? There's one thing he does regret. And I think it's how he handled the kind of um, the aftermath of the Vondel fight and their first camp. Our campfire chats are going to be famous, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We have so many of them. But how he handled that, I think in retrospect, looking back, I think he should have just stayed quiet throughout the whole thing because he knew where he was at with that. 
And I, he should have known by then better that not everyone is of the same mentality as him when it comes to fighting bad people. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to have that experience that he's had. He could have, he should have just like shut up and just let them say whatever. And in his own weird, like br- bullish and brutish way, thought, oh, like for example, with the Gubbins things, like, oh, you don't need that. You know, you, you find, no, no, shut up. <laughs> you don't know anything. Shut up. Um, it it was it's quite horrible, especially the way David described how we killed the Vondels was was brutal. It wasn't like oh you slash them and they die. Way just as no you 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 orphaned a child and you yeah. you you murdered a a husband and wife. Like you know he could have just he should have just like let them deal with it the best way they knew how to. You know if he wasn't going to be supportive in the way they needed to be, he could have just shut up. But he didn't. <laughs> yeah, give them time to process because it, it again, it was um, it was Gwendolyn and Enkidu butting heads in that bit that were just too yeah. polar. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Two completely different uh, forms of ethics when it comes to fighting. You know, Gwendolyn was very much looking at the aftermath, and Enkidu was like, "Well, we had to do it. There was no choice in the matter, so it's not worth thinking about." But that shows their their differences in their own history yeah uh, yeah super interesting but um as for things that you're proud about i think it's sticking around sticking around and um for once i think it, it kind of the culmination of that is when the lava monster when he kind of like jumped ahead mm. and like tried to like divert attention away from the group it is compelled you mm. compelled you yeah you know to take on that role of a protector for the group you know what i mean like he's he's that's kind of like i've made my choice now i'm i'm sticking around because so many times he thought there are things i want to do that i know that enkidu wants to do that he knows the group might not be down with maybe junior would be oh yeah <laughs> but um <laughs> he can't he can't drag them into a path that he knows would like damage them like mentally so he, i think sticking around is something he's proud of you know can i just tell you a moment that i'm really proud of enkidu it was the uh, when you're at uh, Berrien Fields uh. and poor little Gwendolyn is all frosted and Enkidu basically had to take her to one side and he didn't treat her like a, a little muppet, like she was being. He treated her with a lot of respect and he explained parts of his own backstory mm. to her. And it was very, like, it was very loving. And again, that same kind of, and it maybe is that protector dynamic in the most recent episode, you know, with Enkidu really is the one that consistently has her back and is very much like no Dwayne like screw you Mm. because of what you've done to her so it you know it clearly has affected him over all this time yeah that was that was a moment that I was proud of you (laughs) cheers pal (laughs) no worries it did set fire to a library though (laughs) this is true and I'm guessing that's one of those moments you'd rather they hadn't done (laughs) (laughs) that's Oren's moment (laughs) that's Oren's moment um I mm, I don't have I don't think there's a moment that oh I think uh, it's not others it's something Akidu should have done I think um when we're traveling north um we met some soldiers who are burying soldiers trying to recruit more mm. people and I think trying to stop them should have done that but I I'm going to defend the the burning of the books <laughs> <laughs> because I thought I I chose I thought it was a character moment of you know stuff that he was going through and he was like the Vandals they're a plague upon 
what people should be in responsibility, they should burn. D- I didn't expect the whole place to go up in I, I want to be very clear. This is Orin <laughs> annoyed with Enkidu, not Ben annoyed with Daryl. <laughs> like... <laughs> sure. But Enkidu didn't expect the whole place they were now. He's like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> that's gone. Um, he's fine. Like, Daryl's like, oh, shit, that's awkward. Um, but Enkidu's like, yeah, they're gone. And good riddance. But Daryl's like, oh, shit. Maybe guys wanted magical items and world-breaking things that david might not let us have otherwise but um <laughs> oh well yeah there was a, a legendary item in there that i think was a game breaker uh but never mind it's burnt there now. was a deck of many things um, on the table uh, oh my gosh yeah. do not yeah. open it <laughs> i want it gib actually if there was a deck of many oh, things in there, that burn the room <laughs> burn it down <laughs> That's the only time you can justify that action. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Stu Town. So let's come back to a question from uh, one of our Patreons. So this is another question from Pippa. This one is for Daryl. Uh, Pippa, would you like to ask your question? Hi, Daryl. So um, I would, I'd love to know whether you've created uh, kind of individual backstories for each of Enkidu's patrons. Um, and if some point, if they are, or any or all of them are released from his head, how that might work logistically in game. So will they have to be voiced by David as NPCs? Have you had any kind of discussion about that? That's my that's my question to you. Ooh, brilliant, brilliant. question. I'm so desperate to know what happens if they come out there. <laughs> First, yes, they all have individual backstories. <laughs> that's why David joked about, well, not joked, um, the document being about 20 pages long, because for them to be like a big part of him, they all had to be fleshed out. And the only way I knew how was to... Here's a story. You get a story. You get a story. You get a story. <laughs> so they all have fleshed out stories and, and abilities and personalities. How they would manifest if they were to be released? There are, I mean, they have kind of in a way, like for the shield, every time we've used the shield spell, David said, oh, Cal comes out and he, he catches this thing. I'm like, okay, cool. And um, there are descriptions for like already established spells and abilities that David describes in a unique way for Enkidu. We haven't discussed it, but I'm choosing to trust David. There's kind of unspoken communication there with like every new ability that I've like kind of chosen. David's like, oh, that's a cool idea to kind of do this and explore that. And so far, David's voiced them all. I've not given him any like, oh, they sound like this and do this. Like it's all from David's brain. So I think later on down the line, as he gains more spells and abilities, maybe they'll manifest in various different ways. There's a part of me that really wants to see you play them all. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to see like a prologue episode where we jump back into Enkidu's one shot storyline and Daryl has to play every single character and how they end up in Enkidu's head. Oh my gosh. David, do you fancy writing that one? No? Okay. Moving <laughs> on. No. <laughs> no. Do a kind of Pixar inside out thing and just like. I know, right? <laughs> oh, that's a really nice question. Thank you, Pippa. Yeah, thank you. And um, oh, look, there's another question from me. Uh, so this one is actually for Ben. Oh. I remember because I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> now, is it as good as the earlier question, Sam? There's, there's the real well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's a good okay. question and I'm quite interested to hear the answer to this one because I think a couple of other people wanted to ask this question. I just got in there first. Okay. Uh, okay. So, Ben, in the latest episode... Uh. Hurdy Gurdy Hullabaloo, best name ever. <laughs> Your character mentioned something about being attracted to soldier types. <laughs> uh, now, is this based on any particular character, or is it just Orin Nosy? He likes their muscles. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's based on a particular character. That's all you're getting. <laughs> no, no, come on, more, more. 
unpack this. Is it Enkidu? Oh, no. Oh, it's not Enkidu? Oh, okay. Yes. Is it a character, is oh, it a character that we've no, met? Definitely not. Let's just play 20 questions. Uh, <laughs> do I know them? Are they from the Woden Isles? Um, do you know them? Are they from the Woden Isles? Uh, no, yes. Okay. You don't know them. Okay. They are from the Woden Isles. So I don't know them even from the one shot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm getting the sense that Ben Hishtum on this subject, I could ask questions. He's just going to go... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you about them. Um, <laughs> I'm so intrigued. Damn it! Like everybody, literally everybody in the chat just perked up when that question was on. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not gonna get the answer to my question. What yeah. a waste! Shouldn't have put that one in there. Okay, let's go for a, a question for Daryl then. Uh, right. And this is from at Darkest Argentum, hey. uh, who asks Daryl: As things currently stand between <laughs> Enkidu and Gwendolyn, which do you think is more likely? They end up in a fight or in bed together. Yes, darkest dungeon. Hashtag Gwenkidu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Classic. Um, she is a soldier type. <laughs> that's Orin. That's Orin's preferences. <laughs> As things currently stand, I I wish it wasn't such a binary choice of like they fight or they end up in bed because there are aspects of Gwendolyn that Enkidu's having to open his eyes to and like take a backseat and just let her be herself and you know just watch her decisions and either be supportive or would not say or do anything of the two that is more likely to answer your question respectfully a fight is more likely for them to like suddenly fall into each other's arms i don't know i i can't see what circumstance that would allow that to happen but um I know, I mean, they're, they're fighting, they let out all of their feelings, they fight on oh the way God. to the bed. They've both got one point of exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But I'd say one thing, um, sex and romance is not a motivator for Enkidu. It just isn't. They, he really is the opposite of Gwen. <laughs> I feel like romance <laughs> is what drives Gwen. I know, yeah. Gwen, yeah. Gwendon is very much like the adventure and romance and excitement. She she lives for that stuff and that's how she got to where she is now. But for Enkidu, it was like, uh, for him, it was like he had a, he felt a very specific kind of love and companionship and nothing else seems to have replaced that. So he's kind of like, uh, it, the result on the exterior is this kind of edgelord where inside he's maybe a bit hollow bit sad uh, very sad but him and Gwendolyn suddenly <laughs> falling into arms into each other's arms seems so unlikely to me a fight is way more likely maybe because Gwendolyn when she saw the brass knuckles I can't remember what episode it was was like oh if you ever want to give that a try <laughs> I think that's way more likely just kind of on this do you do you find the because obviously you you've been hearing hashtag Gwenkidu for probably months now, so it's in it's in Daryl's head. Do you find that that then affects moments that happen in game? Like, do you steer away from it, or is it just you know you're like, no, Enkidu wouldn't be thinking about any of this, or so we wouldn't see that moment. I think uh, it's a it's it's a little bit of both. Part of me is kind of like mm, that's easy and sorry cheap um it's 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 but too it's cliche like, one, oh, it's what the audience won <laughs> give us the cheap <laughs> like oh, it's too easy but at the same time um I'm, I'm pretty sure like because it's not again romance is not like a thing that inkidu has experienced or not that i've written he's probably just just thought is that is that is that something i could have as inkidu i'm saying like is that something i could do no it's not there i don't know if he's totally close off to the idea but 
as things are right now, it's just not there. And how how does Cal feel about Gwen? He likes her, right? He likes it. He He's likes champing it. <laughs> <laughs> he he likes a he he likes a, a good fight, um, and he sees that he can see the strength in others, and like, oh, she can she can handle herself. Go on, fire! I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for that uh, question, Darkest Argentum. Brilliant one. Uh, I think we've all been asking it. Uh, and to finish, here's a question for both of you from at Stewtown, which we asked in the last episode, but we kind of have to ask again. If your character could have any mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? And also, if you could have one in real life, what would you pick? You've already got a goose. Yeah, already got a goose. <laughs> mythical creature. Yeah, Orin's already doing quite well with creatures. So, I mean, they're mechanical rather than mythical. But would he like that cockatrice? Would he like a unicorn? Hey, what do you do with a unicorn? <laughs> would he like at least three more geese? Yeah, <laughs> they're not really mythical <laughs> creatures. Though. They're quite real. <laughs> <laughs> not the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, he'd quite, maybe he'd quite like a dragon. Can you have a dragon as a pet? I think Orin would be up oh, for yeah. finding out. <laughs> well, you can have like um, pseudo dragons and stuff like that. Yeah. I think uh, that's a homunculus, isn't it? Yeah. You yeah. can have a, a pseudo yeah, dragon for can. one of those. I think some classes can have mini dragons as well. Are we talking ancient dragon? No, no. <laughs> like a baby dragon. <laughs> this yeah. CR30 void dragon that I, I fought the other day, which was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you don't want one no. of them on oh your God. shoulder. See, oh, bloody hell. No, definitely not. 30. He wants oh a baby gosh. dragon. I think he'd like a baby dragon. Mm. Aw. Okay, and cool. uh, how about Ben? Same answer? Uh, no, Ben would like a flying creature, I think, like a griffin or a hippogriff or something like that. I think that would just be cool. That you can just be like, I need to go over to the other side of London. I'm just going to get on my griffin and fly. Like, how cool uh, would that be? I don't know where I'd keep it. <laughs> <laughs> deal with that problem yeah. Right? yeah i think the neighbors might look at me weirdly if i start parking a griffin in the car park <laughs> parking an animal i love it we park we park bessie yeah, everywhere yeah. it's like i love stable the edition. horse yeah. no no i'll take it, it from guy i would park my griffin <laughs> outside oh my, my flat i've got a little balcony it could stay on there it could fly off to the park and i don't know Find some food or something. I don't know. Yeah, more some yeah, people. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah, as they do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Daryl? Uh, for Enkidu, if he had any yeah. creature as a pet. See, I thought it'd be something he could fly alongside with. but Because um, I thought baby dragon or a small dragon. But I think... Oh, yeah, because he, yeah. he, he can fly now. He can fly now. I forgot about that. <laughs> he can fly now. I, but I, I think a dire wolf would, would suit him oh, really yeah. well. Yeah, a little dire wolf would be lovely. You know, see him take care of something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. he could ride it as well. They're, they're oh, yeah, he could. Yeah. yeah. And then did both fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can actually see you with a direwolf as well. Because yeah. uh, Chris, uh, when we asked him last time, he said uh, a blink dog, which I really, oh. you know, really like the idea of that, you know, because you can bamf them off to a, <laughs> a demi plane when, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you just need to get It, it deals with up. the Griffin parking problem, doesn't it? Mike. <laughs> it does. Do you want a, a Blink Griffin? Yes, can I have a we'll Blink Griffin? <laughs> yes. Sure. It's my myth. Oh, God. <laughs> would, it, would it be the same creature for, for Daryl as it would be for Enkidu, or what would Daryl like with him? Oh, gosh, this is a thing. I want a fly. <laughs> or the dragon. <laughs> um, but it really, no, actually, oh, it's maybe moving out of D&D. &D. Ever since I was a child, I've always thought, what if chocobos 
from Final Fantasy were real. Yeah. What if they were real? They're adorable. They're like horse birds. They're big, yellow, the giant bird. Imagine Big Bird from Sesame Street, but was like more bird-like. You'd have to Google it. Um, thanks, David. Um, and literally Googled it yeah. as I said that. Anyway. <laughs> In the Final Fantasy games, you can ride them. Um, they can ford rivers. They can fly. You know, um, they're beautiful creatures. I would, I would, I would love a chocobo. <laughs> In real life. Daryl, I will buy you a chocobo. Yay! When genetic splicing is a thing, and we can... <laughs> with a short lifespan. Oh my god! Ostriches gosh. with canaries is oh probably the best gosh, way of doing yeah. it. Oh gosh. <laughs> the poor creature. <laughs> we will make you a chocobo. Um, oh, guys, thank you so much for that. Uh, I thank think you, we probably should wrap up right about now. Uh, but we can't do that without first something that we all need to say one two three and now and now and now you know what I think that one was the best one yet (laughs) (laughs) I think so too Ben here again to say a huge thanks to Daryl Bailey, superfan Sam Oaks, and to all the superfans from Patreon who joined us live and put their questions to the cast. Our next No Small Questions is being recorded on Friday, the 16th of April. And stand by to roll an insight check, because we will be joined by the blue-haired bard himself, the fabulosa Jeremy Cobb. If you want to join us for the chat live then head on over to our Patreon, where there are four levels of support to pick from, starting from £1 per month. Each level comes packed with perks including shout-outs, access to some of David's homebrew content like the new Trapper Ranger subclass, and other peaks behind the audio curtain. To sign up, visit patreon.com forward slash no small roles. We'd also love to hear your burning questions for Jeremy on social media. We're at No Small Roles on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook by searching for No Small Roles. Roles is spelt with a double L, as in the double L at the end of cell or well, or the two double L's in allegorically. We'll be back aboard the Chugalong next Sunday with episode 30, and also look out for another instalment of Superfan Chats, discussing all the way up to episode 28, coming very soon. Right, uh, I'm off. I need to uh, have a think about how we can make use of Kraus' homeward door. And on for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.